independent journalism at its finest. Welcome, everybody, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and people outside the binary. This is Less Stupid with Thomas Huda, a presentation of Humanity EUG News. Yes, reluctantly presented by Humanity EUG News. Um, but very excited to be here today with Introduce Yourself. I'm Mandy Chapel. I'm a mayoral candidate running in the red. Ooh, scary. Does right. that inspire the hair color that you uh, have chosen? Um, actually, I told my stylist I wanted a 50s bob with a <laughs> modern twist. Okay. So she gave me a black 50s pixie cut with a red streak. Well, why not? I said, okay, that, <laughs> I, that works. Well, we're doing a little reaching across the aisle here to talk and stuff. Not only because we probably see the, the world from different political perspectives but also mm -hmm. because we're both running for the same race and right there are uh, a myriad of people who are throwing themselves out there to challenge the current mayor and i think we're excited to see that but could do better there you go that's will, a great I met with summary her on of sunday it. and she's, she's a, a nice sweetheart person. yeah she's an intelligent woman and yep. she's got great ideas she just doesn't seem to know how to get them done there you go and honestly i don't think that we should put people in positions where they don't have the pre i don't know Maybe, you know, may, a may or two. Here's my thing. So you, in, in our experience, we see that she didn't have previous governmental experience, and maybe that probably prohibits the ability to get things done on, t uh, on the time that we maybe would hope. Right. Um, but at the same time, I think it would be okay if she was like a more powerful kind of spiritual leader for the community. Right. That's what I think a mayor can do also. Because here we are in your beautiful home that you've uh, invited me into, even though uh, I've never met you in person. Um, You'd be surprised how many people I've never met have been in this kitchen. Right on. Uh, we have a lot of homeless people who go through the alleyway that stop at my door for food. Sure. We're actually well known in the homeless community for being the knock on the door and ask for food people. Okay. Right on. <laughs> well, as long as you're cool with that. Well, you know, it's a way to give back to the community and take care of those who really are in a terribly vulnerable position. Yeah, yeah. Especially right now, a hot cup of coffee could save a freaking life. You know, it's definitely that window that we all have to kind of worry about where it's not cold enough for Egan Warming Center to open up, but right. it's still devastatingly cold for people who don't have a place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a total of nine veterans have died here in Eugene since winter began. This most recent winter? Yep. Wow, I didn't know that. Only one you know, of them has been recognized by the city so far. That's fascinating. Well, um, yeah, I feel like I have the relative privilege of at least I have a vehicle. I've been living in a vehicle. Mm. Um, yeah, but uh, I'm hoping to end that soon. But um, I can plug into certain places and make sure that I have mm. enough charge. And then I can, uh, you know, find a nice private out-of-the-way place to sleep and not have not be freezing cold like i have some level of containment no you know? and um one thing we need to keep looking into more is like kind of like micro homes mm -hmm. and adus and which are accessory dwelling units for people who aren't steeped yes. in the city of eugene lingo accessory yeah. dwelling units are amazing yeah yeah amazing amazing things mm -hmm. and a lot of people who we love uh in the community you know have these kinds of living arrangements that they carve their life out in and it's not um, something that should be <laughs> checking the chicken checking the chicken as you do when you're when this you're interview cooking. is happening while I'm making my uh, wife's dinner <laughs> <laughs> I know a Republican yeah. lesbian I'm so breaking the rules <laughs> well I feel like I'm breaking the rules sometimes uh, because 
especially in my young generation, there's uh, a certain understandable progressive streak that wants to see you line up on all the issues, right? You can't be a gender justice champion unless you're a racial justice champion, unless you're a queer justice champion, you know? And I can understand the perspective, but sometimes they pull out and they branch out so many different things. Mm. And then, you know, with cancellation that happens sometimes, you know, cancel culture, I think I think it's a little bit um, troubling sometimes. People get, get uh, carved out to be maybe not not mm-hmm. who they really are, or the, or you know, well, it's like people. The mob can rule a little bit on social media as well. You know, when bad information gets passed my around. political role model, uh, Eisenhower, was right on. Probably my favorite Republican ever, better than Lincoln. <laughs> and he had military experience. <laughs> he had military experience. It's rare. He nowadays. understood the way the world worked, and he did his best to provide for those who he was in power to lead. So, you know, uh, the way he put it was that we should be doing the most good for our nation with the least amount of tax dollars. Sure. And that is the very core basis of being a Republican. Mm, mm. You know, we now look at Republican and Democratic politics as, you know, gay rights, abortion, this, that, the other thing. We keep adding things onto the platform. When Eisenhower really made it clear is, you know, yeah, those things offend me, but I am not king. Mm, interesting. You know, yeah. these, these things offend me, but you need these rights. Maybe a know? little more of a libertarian streak with regard to what government should do mm-hmm. when people are making those kinds oh, of decisions about their lives. The way he ran, uh, he or was... living their lives. He was personally liberal, but politically conservative. Sure. Um, so what he believed was that people needed to have personal rights mm-hmm. to be who they are and mm-hmm. do what they want to do right. as long as they're not infringing on somebody else's ability to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And the government should make that as possible as possible mm. with as few of their dollars as possible. That's one of the things that um, I think that I have to like appreciate conservatives in Eugene for is they're some of the first people I see it on social media to be like, you know, where are we getting the funding for this? How? Right. Why is this tax increase happening when we haven't completed this previous project or we don't have the city hall exactly. yet? Or, you know, a, a number of issues. Oh, and I so, love my fellow so Eugene Republicans. Why, right. That's why. <laughs> and I've always been. I had. I've always been a Democrat. My father's a Democrat. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have you know deep uh, frustrations with both parties now more than I have deep admiration for the people in the parties, which is still a lot. I still, oh, yeah. I still love many leaders um, or, around the community who are not mm-hmm. Democrats, and I love uh, many of the Democrats, but here's one of the things I appreciate what you said about what government should and shouldn't do. I think, because some people might think it's a contradiction, I have some conservative views about, uh, about what the, let's say, local government should do. But I have more liberal views about what the federal government for, should do. For example, like mm-hmm. homelessness is an issue the federal government should have more responsibility in. Absolutely. And that's why one one ho- person that I appreciate a lot in the political scene, Bernie Sanders, you know, he proposed like a two point five billion dollar plan to to assist with you know homelessness, which throughout the West Coast has become a, a rash. real problem for for people who are in that situation and. I don't know if I would say rash. You know, rash makes it sound like it's like... Well, homelessness itself is not the fault of the people mm-hmm. who are homeless, but it is a blight on the cities that do nothing to 
cure it. And I think that we need to look at Eugene being a place to raise a family and raise youth and mm-hmm. have safety in our community, in our parks, in our open spaces. Yeah. And, and even if, because I would try, you know, I'm experiencing homelessness, right? Mm-hmm. But I hopefully am not a person who appears at- intimidating in any, in any kind right. of way, largely because of the privilege of me having a car. But it's like we need to do two things. We need to um, hopefully see these people as our neighbors. But I think people, there should be an understanding that like if you're in a public place that's not intended to be residential, but you're sleeping there, it's going to make it uncomfortable for some other people who want to, who don't know you and don't know that, that you're safe. Exactly. You know, uh, I'm I'm a bit of the devil's advocate on both sides because, like, I'm a fan of the signs at the 7-Elevens that say don't contribute to him panhandlers here. Interesting. Because I worked at the Circle K that recently got bought out by 7-Eleven. Okay. And I was frequently, if not I miss that Circle K on 13th and High. God, I miss it, too. That was such a good workspace. Mm, I'm sorry. Uh... I think I maybe even but, uh, bumped into you there uh, while you were working there. But I many problems with 7-Eleven, so I chose not to come over with the company. There you go. Um, I'm still best friends with my boss, though. She's an amazing woman. Well, I was born in Japan. I have family over there, and I've visited several times. Circle K is awesome. They have many of them there. They also call 7-Eleven 7 i Holdings. But they have a lot of interest. Yeah, but it's like the logo of 7-Eleven. It's very interesting. Interesting. Um, but yeah, there's... there's um, Full plates of spaghetti and like good hot food you can get at the Seven Eleven in freaking Japan. It's just in. I'm moving to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> and they have other convenience stores called Family Mart, which I think is just a cute name. That's great. So, hi. Oh, we have a camera up there, just so you know. Oh, it's on top of the refrigerator. What, what do you we need, talk to a person off screen. This is my sister-in-law. Oh, okay. Yep, uh, as long as... Hold up, we're just gonna... Boom, go for it. It's gonna work. The... It's gonna work. And we're not gonna cut either. Let me ask no. you a question. I expect so should what... be in the door. So Good job. I know... Let's let's get right to it uh, early in the podcast. What qualifies you to be mayor? What qualifies me to be mayor? Uh, an internship with my hometown's mayor as a teenager. That's awesome. Um, that's where I got the first taste, if you will. Um, I worked with Occupy San Francisco and Oakland. And wow. Chicago and New York. Interesting. Um, well, Wall Street. I still call it Occupy New York because, well, it just doesn't make sense mm. for theirs to be Occupy Wall Street. Mm. <laughs> mm. I mean, I think it literally took place there. The, oh, yeah. Down in the financial district. happened on yeah. Wall Street. I taught just a couple blocks from where the That's Wall Street Bowl is. Yeah, I had a year of student teaching yep. experience. No, uh, it was really a wild ride. But my whole adult life has been spent trying to better the lives of people less fortunate than myself. Beautiful. Um, up until, God, has it already been a year? Up until last year, no, year before, year before, holy heck. Um, up until a <laughs> year before last, I was a trust fund baby. Okay, right and, on. Talk more about what that means. Uh, I was raised wealthy. Okay. Did not know what not having what I wanted looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, for my entire childhood, I was a spoiled brat. You know, <laughs> uh, the phrase, do you know who my grandpa is? Got me out of trouble. Oh, um, yikes. 
got uh, got me out so of legal trouble. So your grandpa had real uh, clout in the community yep. then. Uh, my grandfather had serious clout in the community. Mm. Um, sponsored several projects that bettered our city. Mm-hmm. His name was on everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I mean, everything, including <laughs> yeah. the rodeo. Yeah. Um, and so, so where was this? Was this in Sisters, California? Sisters, Oregon. Oh, right on. Whoa. I love based sisters. Based right here in Oregon. Oh, beautiful. Um, cool. I moved just to, to Eugene. Just almost, uh, how many hours would that be it's driving? It's two. It's two, yeah. Two hours. Cool. And uh, I love all the old-fashioned uh, like subway sign and like, you know, the local businesses. Uh, that's actually a law. To. Yeah, that's what I, yeah, it's a law. It's also, a, if you eat at the McDonald's, you will notice something different. Ooh, what's because that? it is illegal within sister city limits to feed your customers with anything that is not locally purchased. Okay. Um, you cannot run a restaurant of any sort mm-hmm. with outside of local ingredients. Yeah. So, so you're saying it tastes different? It tastes noticeably much different. Noticeably oh, different. Yeah. And I used I'll to, have to check it out next time I'm I out there. My dad lived m- out there intermittently. He's kind of a. He's been. I mean, experiencing houselessness Go outlaws. for nine years. <laughs> yeah. Go outlaws. Okay. Cool. Um, Teams. Yes, no. <laughs> allegiance. The, the only allegiance I, like I hold I'm is... I'm wearing an Oregon duck hat. The only allegiance I truly hold is to the Sisters Outlaws. Okay. Um, but I'm developing an affinity for the ducks, cool. whether I like it or not. Interesting. <laughs> I'm not a huge sports fan. Um, my, my daughter-in-law calls me dad. <laughs> um, my stepdaughter? My stepdaughter. How does that relate to being a sport? She I would think dad. most dads are stereotypically well, like, more into sports. And I, you know, used to be the breadwinner of the house, and everybody kind of expected me to fill the paternal role in okay. the house. Yo, and if you're doing mom duties and you're making hella money out there, you don't have time to check on all the baseball and football. So I was just like, yeah, no. And then my wife got a really good job pumping gas. Okay. Uh, just down the street, actually. Right on. Um, That's a pretty good wage. Yeah, and tips are good. Tips are right. good. Right. The tips are really good, actually. I didn't even think about that. I've... Um, Ooh, always on... tip Always okay. tip your pump attendant. Unless you're like me and you totally don't buy from the fossil fuel industry. Just a decision that I personally made. Um, yeah, I sound like such a jerk. But I'm hey, proud you know, of it. If we could, if have, we could but... all get out of the fossil fuel industry, the gas pumps would be filled with something different. What do you mean filled with something different? We would be filling them with... Something organic, eco-friendly. Oh, okay. oh I get what the you're saying. The gas pumps would be filled like with whatever else we're putting in our... My dad had a converted uh, Mercedes that it was like a 2002 Mercedes that he got used. He was so uh, sort of addicted to getting cars that were a good deal that he found somewhere. And he's like, he was a bargain hunter. My mom's a coupon cutter and my dad's a bargain hunter. And oh, so, hey, like, so we, at, at one point we um, had five cars in our driveway <laughs> and it was only like 0.8 of them reliably worked, you know, like, like it was just like, oh, it was a heck of a heck of a situation. Heck but, of a situation, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I believe in tipping the service industry in general, you know, um, <laughs> you, <laughs> sorry, exhaling with joy after you just opened up the chicken. Oven. Yeah, the for people chicken. who are just listening to this, let's say it's on their commute or something, I might just start narrating everything that happens. Oh, just, go for it, go yeah. for it. <laughs> or we could do an ASMR thing, like I open up the cabinet. <laughs> Maybe you can hear it what do you want the people of Eugene... <laughs> oh, hey, your microphone smells better. <laughs> <laughs> smells better after you stuck it in the oven. <laughs> right. Oh, towards the oven. Mm-hmm. 
I was careful not to get it into the heat because mm-hmm. these things melt. Right. <laughs> what would what would you want the city of Eugene to do like as a first legislative priority if you were sworn in as mayor? Less than a year from now, January of 2021. You have the power. <laughs> my very first priority would be homeless veterans. Um, that would be my very first banner is uh, fulfilling my not one veteran promise of making sure that inside the city of Eugene, there is not one veteran who is unconsensually homeless. Fascinating. Um, And cool. I think one of the things that um, the city uh, touts are projects that I don't want to minimize the importance of, but say that has 51 additional units, 56 additional units. And we know that it's, it's something that has to move more quickly than that. Eugene, uh, I, I was hearing the mayor of uh, Los Angeles, I think his name is Eric Garcetti, unless I'm mixing that up with someone else entirely, but he was saying <laughs> Los Angeles is a victim of its own success. Yes. Where they're doing very well, and uh, economically, of course, they have a lot of booming industry, and they're the film industry, the capital of the world, but a lot of people want to be there who maybe can't afford to now with the mm-hmm. price of rent, um, or, I don't know, some would say they're living beyond their means, perhaps. Um, yeah. It's definitely a challenge, but um, do you like, as a longtime uh, resident of Eugene, do you have like ideas for uh, places where you would want new sheltering to happen or new? Well, we have a surplus. How do, and of how do we empty get affordable buildings. housing to happen? We have because a, a lot of these complexes are for like, yeah, frankly, well, like we currently have a surplus of empty who, buildings. Mm. And I am, you know, just like I'm a zero food waste household. We try to. We're working Which I think towards is amazing. being a, recyc- a heavy recycling, low-waste household. Beautiful. Um, that was our new commitment now that we've gotten down to zero food waste. And I believe that we can do that with economic assets, just like buildings. Mm. You know, we can take these buildings. We can find ways to refurbish them. If there's some sort of structural insecurity, we can find ways to cure that. Mm-hmm. And turn them into functional spaces for bedding down. Hmm. And, you know, that's the first start. That's the first start. Everybody gets a mailbox and a bed space. What would you think about um, parking parking uh, garages? I don't know why I almost said parking shelters. Parking garages being converted uh, for evening use. Um, Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I'm a huge fan. Okay, cool. Huge fan. Well, then, okay. I like what you said about Eisenhower, but... One of the things that, like I said, I'm frustrated with both parties in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, possibly because humans are flawed, and then when Have they get in groups, have you seen who the Republican candidate is? <laughs> I'm frustrated. Mm. <laughs> yeah. What, Bill Weld? Bill Weld is uh, running. Uh, <laughs> no one's gonna get the. I'm nomination actually voting Joe Walsh. A, <laughs> so shameless Republican plug. Joe vote Walsh. Joe, Joe Walsh. He will fix the problem. Guitarist of the Eagles. No. Oh, you no, should vote for Henley, just, I guess, if you're gonna go for that band. Just sweetly named. Okay. <laughs> but he is a really, really good candidate. Okay. Well, how... Oh man, it's like... So you were saying you're like, frustrated with like both parties. Yes, and they both have seized, at least on the national level, mm-hmm. control over the liberal and the conservative, I guess, factions of the country. But we're all human beings. We're all people who, you know, maybe we see the world more liberally on some views, on some particular mm-hmm. issue, but not others. Um what I see happening, and you know, some people could say this is a good thing, and some people could say it's bad, is that maybe both of the parties are getting a little more extreme. I, 
So, like, as you see that happen, <laughs> right? You just made a really, like, grossed out face, practically, or frustrated face. As you see that happen, like, I've been so frustrated with, I don't know, seeing the rhetoric from so many candidates on the Republican side, not just Trump. What what keeps you in the party? A fervent belief in the original founding concepts. Okay. You know, reduce taxation unless you have total representation of the people you're taxing. Mm-hmm. Reduce government involvement in personal livelihood. And basically take Big Brother as far away from the picture as possible. Hmm. And say, speaking of Big Brother, Trump was just uh, thrashing Apple because Apple won't let him break into the phones of people who are possibly, he says, like violent criminals. He wants Apple to allow the government to go through the phones of people who might be. Yeah, that to me is very, not even Big Brother, but uh, Scary Uncle. <laughs> scary, manipulative power grabbing. There's nothing hardly good that the government could do. Yeah, a large scale with apologies like this, they might highlight, oh, we one situation where, oh, we use this phone and we like save, you know, a plot from going down. But the repercussions of that are very frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, are there I am other totally embarrassed of my party's head mm-hmm. nomination. Mm-hmm. Are there, <laughs> have there been other Republican presidents or any kind of uh, Republican elected officials that that you especially like. I mean, like, I, I like... I could rattle off Democrats that I especially love. I like AOC. I like Rashida Tlaib. I like... Um, I haven't liked Brown in Ohio. I like... Gosh, who are some of the people I haven't liked anybody really since like? Eisenhower. Yeah? <laughs> Not anybody since Eisenhower. I like Eisenhower. Andrew Yang a whole lot. Oh, I support him, and I believe that he's intelligent. Yes. I believe that he has... A, he has the ability to become... A cross-party candidate. I think it'd be amazing if he ran for Congress. I, I hope that he f- runs for a House seat somewhere. It's really interesting no, how it works. He's though. not out of the race yet. That's true. That's true. Ooh, I hope Yang Gang doesn't get mad at me because I am Yang Gang. <laughs> I'm no, Yang Gang. He's not out but of the I race think yet, I and he is th- the I, I fastest th- fundraiser in the race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maybe he met the, the biggest, donor but the threshold, fastest. but not the polling threshold. But... There was a whole list of polls that he got over 5% on, and they said they only needed four, but they chose specific polls, I guess. That's what I was seeing. That they So Political it's very sad that he was not able to have his voice in the debate. But I had seen a lot of people reacting and saying that um, he still pulled in a lot of donors that night. Oh, yes. Um, and that he, hopefully, I really hope he continues to qualify. Um I think that just maybe my cynicism about the system after having seen what happened with Bernie before in 2015 and 16, um, being an outsider candidate who even did have governmental experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that I, I really want to believe in Yang a, a ton for this round, but I also want to play the long game and say, Hey, like let's, let's keep you in this conversation if this doesn't happen. And uh, I do think that he is a better chance now being a VP choice than probably the top of a ticket. Because I think any of the top three candidates, at least, maybe four, would consider him very highly. Oh yeah, Biden has uh, shown interest in Yang. Warren has been reading Yang's book. Sanders says he thinks Yang brings a lot of good ideas to the table. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I need to hit the ladies' room. Okay. 
All right. Hand this back to you. I will be right. All right. Back. I will use this as an opportunity to keep talking on a solo portion. Go for it. Go <laughs> because, for it. I will be right back. Okay. All right. You're trusting me with the kitchen. So. Right on. Uh, this has been, I'll bring some music back in right now. This has been the first portion of my conversation with Mandy Chapel on Humanity EUG News. This is, for anybody who doesn't really know what this is that we're doing, that's because I'm a little cryptic. I blast tons of information out, but then I don't always connect all the dots between the information. Um, I think that the news media whether we like it or not now has to go into a more entertaining direction and part of the way that i am bringing whatever my skill might be (laughs) is into this conversation is that i try to use my quirky maybe awkward maybe self-deprecating and sometimes arrogant and weird humor um because and i was talking to my friend the other day about this um I envision whether idiocracy is going to happen or not, uh, we're going to start to see like presidential addresses um, in the White House that have like multiple camera angles. Like, boom, I point over to this part of the Oval Office where there's camera A, and I say, Republicans, we're going to take back the principles that you want of fiscal conservatism and values and collective community. And then the they'll point to the other side of the Oval Office and say, liberal and Democrats, we are, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure about the specifics of that. <laughs> but uh, we have so many options for where to get our information now, and a lot of people, by and large, maybe because they're exhausted by mainstream news media and the way they cover things or uh, any other reasons why they would maybe just not want to keep paying attention to the darkness of constant news um they get their information from comedic sources a lot of people get like comedy politics now you know what i mean like the daily show oh yes i i i'm guilty (laughs) well i i uh i really like a lot of those shows but i'll be honest it's like the colbert constantly railing on trump and clowning on him um for you know, like body shaming and like all sorts of, of ad hominem stuff. Seth Meyers goes after the, his looks all the time. I don't know if that really helps. If it's Trump comedy, brag and I about like comedy. His body so often, maybe we'd stop going after it. <laughs> he is the first person to talk about a certain part of his anatomy on a debate stage. Uh, Just saying. In all of history. So, yeah. But even then, it's very toxic. Marco Rubio was the person who started that. You you Photoshop your body onto a professional wrestler. I'm going to make fun of how you look in person. He he (laughs) shares a lot of very questionable things on Twitter. Hey, you know, I saw a congressperson who shared a photo of Obama supposedly with an Iranian leader who the guy had never met. You saw that? I did, and I railed into them. Very fucked up. Yeah. (laughs) Because... And I wonder how we can like penalize or punish or prohibit that kind of behavior because especially with where deep fakes is going to get, mm, you don't think so, huh? Because I, I put this out as a poll on my Humanity EUG uh, Instagram and I asked people because I showed them that image and I said, and I showed them what happened and the reporting on it. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is, is what fun. happens when we do baking and interviewing. Sure is. <laughs> Leaning backwards to the mic. Right. Woo-hoo! Well... 
almost everybody, including somebody who ran for president in this cycle and dropped out, Ben Glebe, they all said, yeah, we should penalize this behavior. We should, uh, we should not just allow it as First Amendment. Um, but I don't know. It's If it doesn't incite violence in a real way, like does not actually say go do violence, people, hmm. it is not against the First Amendment. Sure. Oh, that's yeah. nice and crunchy skin. It is still raw on the bottom. <laughs> All right. I'm making chicken, if you right hadn't on. noticed. Right on. <laughs> well, what else would I want to ask you? Are there, are there more things that you want to get out there into the public in terms of who you are? And you had said that you wanted to get more publicity for your campaign. You know, What's your message? Do you have a slogan? Be about it. Be about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my That's wife's good. motto is don't talk about it, be about it. Yep. Um, I literally said that. To Mayor Venice at the last city council meeting, I said to the hip hop community, we often say, don't talk about it, be about it. Because I think about a guy named Sway from Shady 45, mm-hmm. Sway in the morning. I'm a, I'm a hip hop person. I love the culture of hip hop. Kind of a guest in the house. As Lord Jamar <laughs> said, I kind of agreed with that, mm-hmm. even though he's problematic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, be about it. Yes, be about it. It just is a, uh, it's, how do I want to put this? I do something with myself and my campaign money instead of making promises. Mm-hmm. Uh, one out of every $2, so 50% of all my campaign money, mm-hmm. is going into programs like Shelter Care and St. Vincent de Paul's, specifically their veterans program, mm-hmm. uh, is going into research for better student diets Mm-hmm. is going into putting families in homes mm-hmm. and is going into these programs that better Eugene as a whole. Right. Um, and I, when I am not swamped with graffiti removal and being a mom and mm. being a babysitter to three feral children, I love them. I love feral. your children, Nikki. That is quite a word to describe your own kin. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Nikki's kids are just amazing kids okay. that... Are sometimes feral. <laughs> but they're one, two, and three, so okay. they're allowed to be feral on occasion. That's true. Yeah, you become a human Later. at like four. Are you going to flip over for me? Now nice? I'm imagining in the 2040s, is it going to be considered problematic to talk crap about feral humans? Because it's a real population of people that exist. They're very marginalized people. I've seen TV specials about like young kids who get socialized with dogs. Yep. So that's a wild, wild world that we live in. No, I so many different experiences. I quite enjoy it. I have that's why I have I hate friends who you would consider so feral. Quickly. Yeah, I have friends you would consider part of the feral humanity. <laughs> Interesting. Center. Interesting. Um, they just never really encountered social normatives mm. until they were late into adulthood and n- now have no regard for such mm. and just kind of live. Yeah. And I think it's beautiful, even though I was, you know, golden spoon raised and, mm-hmm. you know, sit with my elbows off the dinner table and yeah. try not to curse. Mm-hmm. And unless I'm in like very private settings, then right. I curse like a sailor. Right. Like any good housewife. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till all the company's gone and then cuss everything out. <laughs> well, um, I sailed a little bit for a, for a science program and it was incredible because I had never been at sea. And uh, what our captain, Sean Burkov, the SSV Corps with Kramer, said 
was, you know what's the difference between a fairy tale and a sea story? Hmm. A fairy tale starts with once upon a time, and a sea story starts with this is no shit. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. You got that's, it. That's great. I also like um, another community of people besides sailors who who talk really plainly and are forward, which I think needs to happen. I think I didn't quite finish a thought earlier about like what's what really does frustrate me about my liberal friends was, and people who are more liberal than me. I was right, trying right. to get back to that. Right, right, because sometimes I trail off because I'm trying to host podcasts and well, I don't know. <laughs> oh, no. It's a conversation happening naturally. Straight what? Up, straight up, straight Sorry, up. Sorry, I'm Scary. very sarcastic. <laughs> I'm a very sarcastic mom. Mm-hmm. You gotta be. There are times in my house where there are six children under the age of 10 here. Right. I'm sarcastic. Well, the thing that frustrates <laughs> me about some of my most progressive friends is that on some level, ah, free speech as an issue, I think, is something that used to be considered a progressive thing, rightfully. Free speech is a progressive thing, I think, mm-hmm. because I think if people say things that are fucked up and problematic, we should challenge them on the battleground of ideas as much as possible. Absolutely. Like you said, if, it, like, if it's not inciting violence, and meet them there and meet it with more speech, rather than censoring or removing or taking that completely out of the dialogue, because honestly, I think the unfortunate reality for some of these people on twitter who think that they're being really on twitter or anywhere think that they're really making change by being kind of the woke police is that you're actually pushing moderate people more to the right you know i think oh, yeah. i think that that happens a lot and it, um, you know, a and lot of democratic so, behavior is you know, part of why see I most si- bo- both sides of anything where there's two sides and then i want to see a third and a fourth side <laughs> well, it's like when I was with Occupy, I was like fervently liberal. Okay, right on. Like I was all about Obama. But you, were you still a Republican? No. Oh. No, I was registered Democrat. Cool. Um, oh, I was all about Obama. I was 18. Okay. And being liberal was the cool thing to Obama's do in San Francisco. Just sexy. <laughs> Let's be honest. I'm a not lesbian most, and he's hot. Not the most <laughs> like... Hey, I have a really ambitious policy agenda that once I'm in office, I'm going to start ramming through. But pretty sexy person. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I'm glad he was president. Um, Yeah. I had a problem with the uh, Affordable Care Act, but was glad to see something that moderately resembled what we need in place. Well, I would love to maybe talk about healthcare a little bit. Um, because I, again, that's an issue where I think that local communities pick up the burden of these people who don't have the appropriate healthcare, mental healthcare and physical healthcare of all kinds Mm -hmm. that a country I think should, whether you think, whether you think the government should directly provide that kind of quality of healthcare to everyone, or you just think that we should live in a status quo where people really are healthy. Like there are private insurance uh, options that are affordable and, you know, Buddy. Blah blah blah, inclusive, etc. However, hey, I got I got a chicken heart for you. I think oh, good boy. that we should have a national healthcare system at the very least a public option. But there, there's a chicken heart for you. Out. The the thing with Medicare for all that I think is a beautiful idea, and we probably deeply disagree about this, is that everybody is bought into the system. So everybody then has a say in like, hey, let's make sure that this gets funded properly and gets out to people properly. Right now. What Bernie Sanders talks about 
and I and I credit him for it is that it's an administrative nightmare to have thousands of different you know uh, private insurance sort of healthcare packages that people have and have to have to sort between and maybe mm-hmm. can't access. So what do you think about what the what the government can do? What's your problem with the Affordable Care Act? I feel like the uh, paying a fine if you miss one month of in being insured um, cripples more people. That than sounds it helps. like your "Don't Tread on Me" is coming out. Yeah, yeah, it cripples Americans rather than helping them because poor people who this you know the impoverished who this act was supposed to help are only going to be further injured by that kind of fining. Hmm. You know, people yeah, I'm not sure why that um, compulsion was put in there in that way. And I don't know what the, the number of the tax was, like the percent. But, you know, two of the things that I think the ACA did that were great, allowed people to stay on their parents' health plan until they're 26. Yep. And then eliminated the pre-existing condition BS where you got people that, <laughs> gosh, can you imagine? I don't have a, well, I don't know if I have a pre-existing condition or what, depending on what's considered a condition. But it's like, if you have one of those back in that era, what does it mean to be told by your country, by your the system that's supposed to take care of you? You know, it's almost like you're broken. It's invalidating of you as a person if you can't find basic health coverage. Because of a pre-existing condition. I had uh, a friend, Steve Romanesco. Cords if you're up with me. (laughs) Yeah, the dog is... I was wondering if we would get the dog into the shot. This is Buddy. If you've uh, seen the videos I sent you, the aspect ratio is pretty slim. There's not a lot of headroom. Yeah. Um, This is Buddy. He's my my family service dog at this (laughs) point. He's too young to be uh, specialized to one of us. So he kind of alerts to everybody. He's a real sweetie. I think he likes you, and I think he's Go scoping me out a little bit and not not convinced. It's like, this person ain't got what it takes to be mayor. <laughs> well, okay, here's something wild that I was thinking about, because something you said to me is that, you know, you believe we should have a new mayor, and you believe that even if, uh, let's say, you end up choosing not to run, or, um, you know, you, you, you are not one of the top two in the May ballot, you think we should try to unite and work I do. I believe that whoever rally around whoever. I believe that um, in order to replace our current candidate with somebody who is gonna get the jobs that we need done done, we need to rally around whoever ends up in the lead. Mm-hmm. Like, if you came out on top, all right, cool. <laughs> it, it's I'd be on your bandwagon. Yeah. Well, you I appreciate the, that. I hope it yeah, happens. You get the majority vote, but I'm on your bandwagon. How amazing would it be if, like, you know, three or four people got really sizable chunks of the of the electorate? I think that'd be beautiful. I think that'd be oh, cool. Yeah. Because in 2016, you know, they only had the May ballot, um, and there are only two candidates who got more than uh, 3,000 votes. Yeah. Um, but I think that we have, you know, a lot of different voices and a lot of excitement. Um, right. So that's cool. But, you know, this is sometimes I'm a big dreaming kind of thinker. And like, how could we really like you in a utopian way almost um, or, you know, without knowing that the structure is really rigid? Like, what could we do to make a better system? I don't know why there needs to be one mayor. 
I think it'd be amazing if we had like a vice mayor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, like I'm not talking about an oligarchy, but I'm just saying like how symbolically cool is it when you got two people working together as the leaders? Because right, right now we have we have the city council president, but frankly, yeah. well, the city manager and the city manager, which has way more power in terms of the day to day brass tacks oh, of yeah. what the city of Eugene does. Um, Honestly, mayoral power is power to make people feel guilty about not doing what you want them to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we have what's called a weak mayor system. And, yep. I, and so you know that, yeah, it's a, it's a largely symbolic. Um, I keep wanting to say the word spiritual, but that has a religious connotation and I'm not sure it should. But really, it's a it's like an inspirational leader that we need. And that's it why is. I'm really actually I'm really uh I'm glad we met, and I'm glad that when I came, uh, you're, you're just a personable person. I'm a, I'm a human. Yeah, yeah. I do human things. Yes. <laughs> Eugene, I want to see, you were talking about you're an every woman. Uh, yes. Here we are in the kitchen. Um, yep. And You know, inside my house, I'm your typical, you know, I'm very much uh, women's issues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I take care of the kids. I take care of the cooking. Mm-hmm. I try to do the chores. Mm-hmm. Um I have, I, I do have a myofascial pain syndrome, syndrome, okay, which is like the precursor to fibromyalgia, which makes it sometimes really hard to do my job. Okay, um, that's but real. I try to keep after it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm a homemaker, and I like that place yeah. in my life. Yeah, but I feel like women like me aren't getting a voice. Okay, yeah, I feel like women like me you know, are being underrepresented, underrepresented, you know, because in, I call them feminazis, but. Yikes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you say that, I just think of Rush Limbaugh and I, you know, maybe, you know, okay, I'm not going to say my- that I've never listened to Rush Limbaugh. I listen to these people. Yes. That's another thing. Like, uh, it sucks because in the attention economy, yeah, sometimes you actually are giving them a little bit, you know, of your resource, your yep. time. And I don't like to spend time listening to stuff that I disagree with. But, like, you know, I deeply believe, you know, part of the mission of this Humanity UG News thing is no be a well-informed person by seeking out for yourself where different sources are covering just about any story. It's hard to say that you have an excuse not to nowadays with all the technology we have. Oh, like, yeah. I don't think there really are... I have a friend who runs a podcast called Conservative with Peter Feliciata. He's from the Bay Area, and mm-hmm. he and I've gone on it twice. Um, and he's very anti PC culture is one of his biggest things. Um, and you know, he basically, in his words, he says he thinks abortion is kind of sketchy, and he likes guns. And but he always grew up in a in a culture uh, in his music community in the Bay Area, where like the spectrum is like you are by default either you know kind of old school liberal or you're super progressive liberal. And people are erased from the conversation if they're not in that. And so that's something that I try well, to do. Like, You're one of the first people that is conservative that I'm uh, doing this show with. But I want to have tons more. But, like, it's it's on a level of uh, I have uh, been disinvited from several feminist activities mm. uh, because of my preference for being a homemaker. Okay. Meaning I, that you don't have a day job, like you don't. Uh, I don't have a day job right, right now. Right um, I, I like to think of myself as Mrs. Banks. They, really, is that? Wow. I mean, I'm sure. Sh- 
I, I like because being a homemaker. You, but, but because you were a homemaker, I, I keep sighing into the mic because I'm devastated at the idea that you would be excluded from these groups because you're yeah, doing no. that because with your like, life. That's not they being liberated. Think that I am rejecting women's rights is what I get from a lot of my feminist friends mm. is that I am not partaking in the modern society mm. by breaking off of the way that we did it back in the 50s, which is my favorite era. Mm. But then again, my motto is fre frequently seen on the internet. I want my gay married neighbors to be able to protect their marijuana plants with, with guns. guns. <laughs> Wait. No, I think teeth. I've seen that on like a sticker in Spencer Gifts. Yes. That, okay. There I just want go. my gay married neighbors to be able to protect their cannabis plants with guns. Right on. I uh, believe that the government needs to get the hell oh. out of our business. Mm -hmm. Well, I meant to say at the beginning, but I tried to change up my intro and I keep adding too many things because that's the way my brain works, <laughs> that this is a show that's completely uncut, uncensored, and unfazed that I'm with somebody who says that she packs heat. Because we were thinking yes. about doing this interview in my car in a parking garage. Yes. Uh, and I love that. That's that's the kind of get after it spirit we need in the city. Well, you know, and that's, that's where I am with... <laughs> uh, being modern is right. understanding modern issues is unfortunately right now our city's not a safe place mm. right now it is you know i don't take my kids downtown i don't go out and do things downtown i go to springfield mm. and that's one of the things that breaks my heart because i moved I to the think city Mayor eight years Lundberg ago has done an incredible job in downtown springfield she has made that an oh a destination God. that is inclusive to such a wide variety of people oh yeah but I need to get my kid ready for bed. Okay. So. Well, let me ask you the final question then. All right. What's one way that we could all be less stupid? One way we could all be less stupid. I'm a curse. I'm a curse. Pull the motherfucking cotton out of your goddamn ears and listen to other people. <laughs> I have nothing more to say. Where can people find you if you want people to um, uh, I am follow up with you? Mandy for Mayor 2020 on Facebook and the attached Mandy M A N D E Y Chapel C H A P P E L L on Facebook. I will not uh, accept your friend request until after I've messaged with you, but I will accept a message request. There we go. I like that little threshold there that people can get in, but you don't have to accept. Do you not know. friend request me until you have gotten to know me. Because mm -hmm. though I'm very out in the public, my life is also a little private. There you go. I'm glad. So no like campaign website? No, okay. I can't afford a uh, domain name. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. I'm just, I'm working through Facebook. Okay. Yeah. Facebook and getting noticed by KEZI. Right on. That was pretty cool. Yep. Well, listen, how fun would it be if you and I ended up as the top two and we ran off against each other in November and that our names are on the ballot next to all <laughs> the main head honchos. It's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure. We are signing off. Peace. Bye.